Welcome back to Bankruptcy 101. I'm your host, bankruptcy attorney Roger Kraft, and this is a podcast where I give you some of the basics about filing bankruptcy and help you better understand how that process works. We'll talk about some of the benefits it has and some of the things that aren't so beneficial. On this episode, we're going to be talking more specifically about the debt, namely what goes away and what doesn't. What do you get rid of and what are you stuck with when it comes to the debt? So some people tend to think of bankruptcy as kind of the end all to their debt problems, but that's really just not always the case. We can usually get rid of most of your debt, uh, but there are some debts that you're just not going to get out of no matter how much they're eating away at your budget, no matter how much you try to get rid of them. If you file a bankruptcy, you may still be stuck with some of those debts. Now, before we get to those, let's talk about some of the more common debts that we see that we can usually get you out of. And number one on that list is going to be credit card debt. I don't think I've ever filed a bankruptcy for someone that didn't owe something on a credit card somewhere. It's the most common type of debt included in a bankruptcy. And the good news is most of the time we can get you out of that credit card debt, especially if you file a Chapter 7 Uh, occasionally, if you file a chapter 13, you may pay back some of that credit card debt, a portion of it, but otherwise in a, in a chapter seven, we can usually get rid of that debt. Now, just like everything in the law, there are going to be some exceptions to that general rule. And I'll give you a couple of examples. If you have a large credit card debt, let's say you took a big cash advance on that credit card just a couple of months prior to filing your bankruptcy. Well, the credit card company may come into the bankruptcy court and ask the court to not give you a discharge of that debt. Same thing as if you go and rack up a bunch of debt right before filing on that credit card. Let's say you take your family on some extravagant vacation and you use your credit card to pay for that. And then right afterwards, you turn around and file a bankruptcy. Well, that credit card company is going to come in and say, look, that's not fair for them to go rack up all this debt and then turn around and file bankruptcy on it. One of the more, probably less common, I guess, uh, types of situations that could come up for this exception is if you use that credit card to pay a debt that might otherwise be non-dischargeable. So for example, let's say you used your credit card to pay your student loans or to pay some taxes. This is a little bit more of a gray area. So I can't give you any definitive answers on this, but it is possible that if you do that, the credit card company may be able to come in and make that same argument that, hey, they use our credit card to pay a debt that's non-dischargeable. So just be aware of that. Before you do those types of things, talk to an attorney, make sure you're on a path to discharge, not on a path to getting credit card companies ticked off at you coming into the bankruptcy, okay? All right, number two on this list of some of the most common stuff that we wipe away is going to be medical bills. Now, if you listened to episode one, you know that having a medical problem is one of the top three things that's going to send you into a financial tailspin, throw you into bankruptcy. And so medical bills are extremely common in a bankruptcy. Now, once in a while, you'll hear somebody use this term called a medical bankruptcy. You'll say, you'll, you'll hear them say, hey, I had a friend or a family member who filed a medical bankruptcy or I filed a medical bankruptcy. You need to know that there is no such thing as a medical bankruptcy. This is just somebody who probably filed a chapter seven and wiped away their medical bills. And it makes them feel a little bit better to say medical bankruptcy, but there's really no such thing. That term is made up. It doesn't exist. Now with medical bills, occasionally, 
there could be a situation like we just talked about with credit card companies where there's an exception. If you go incur some huge medical bill on like an elective surgery, maybe you go get a facelift or some Botox or breast augmentation, something like that, and you do it right before you file bankruptcy, well, that creditor might be able to come in and make an argument that you knew you were going to be filing bankruptcy when you incurred that debt, and it's not fair. Now, this is really uncommon. I don't think I've ever had a medical provider come into the bankruptcy and make that argument, but there's always a first time. So just be aware it's a possibility, however unlikely. So if you have to have a medical procedure done, I would recommend you go ahead and get it done because we don't want to hold off on your health, right? Go get the medical procedure done. If it's an elective procedure, you know, get that done as well. But you may want to wait for several months after having that procedure done before you file bankruptcy. The longer you wait, the better it will look. Now, when it comes to medical bills, some clients will come in and tell me, hey, I want to get rid of all this debt, but there are certain medical professionals that I do not want to include. And the two most common ones we see, people don't want to include their dentists and they don't want to include their OBGYNs. I guess it's because those are two medical providers that you don't want to have to go out and search for new ones. And so it's really common for people to come in and say, hey, I don't include my dentist or don't include my OBGYN. Well, you need to know if you owe those people money, you don't have a choice. You have to include them in your bankruptcy. That's the law. But that doesn't mean you have to stop paying them after you file your case. So why would you want to keep paying a medical professional after you just filed your bankruptcy? Well, these situations arise pretty commonly. Let's say, for example, you've got an orthodontist that's providing braces for your child and you don't want them to stop seeing you, right? This is some kind of continued treatment, whether it's a dentist or, or braces or maybe you're in the middle of a pregnancy. You don't want to have to find another OBGYN. So you include those individuals, but then you make arrangements to go ahead and keep paying them if you want them to keep seeing you. Don't let any medical professional scare you into thinking you can't include them in a bankruptcy. Some of you will, uh, will sign contracts that a provider gives you saying that you won't file a bankruptcy. You need to know those contracts are void. Uh, so don't sign them. And even if you do, don't worry about it if you file a bankruptcy. So, what a medical professional can do, though, what we just talked about, is that if you include them in the bankruptcy and you stop paying them, they don't have to keep seeing you. There's nothing in the law that requires your doctor or your dentist or your orthodontist to keep seeing you. So if you include them in a bankruptcy and you stop paying them and you wipe away the debt you owe to them, you need to be prepared for the fact that they may not want to see you anymore. So that's generally how medical bills work in a bankruptcy. All right, number three on our list of most common types of debts is going to be debts that are associated with real estate. And there's really two kind of different areas of this. We're talking about rent and we're talking about mortgages. So first of all, if you're past due on your rent, okay, you're renting an apartment, renting a house or something, you can discharge that debt. You'll include your landlord in your bankruptcy and discharge it. But you need to remember from our episode on the automatic stay where we talked about this situation, filing a bankruptcy isn't going to stop them from evicting you. All it's going to do is make it so that you don't have to pay back the back rent that was due 
at the time you filed bankruptcy. If they want to still get you out of the place, they're going to get you out of the place. Filing the bankruptcy is going to make it so you don't have to pay that past due rent usually. Okay. Now, the second area of real estate, we're talking about uh, foreclosures. So let's say you own a house. It's being foreclosed on. The bank takes the house, sells the house at an auction, and they get less than what was owed on the mortgage. And then they come after you and they try to collect the difference from you. Well, we can include that in a bankruptcy, no problem whatsoever. And this is very common for banks to do this, to try to come after you for the deficiency amount. Now, as a side note, you should know that if that happens to you and they come after you for a deficiency after they have foreclosed, they may send you a 1099 at the end of the year for that deficiency amount. And then the IRS is going to count that amount as an income and you'll be taxed on it. The only way to avoid that is if you file a bankruptcy. So for example, you have this house, it forecloses, you owed $300,000 on it, the bank sells it at auction for $200,000, they give you a 1099 for $100,000, now the IRS thinks that you made an extra $100,000 that year, and you have to be taxed on it. Well, we can get you out of that as long as you file the bankruptcy. So if you're behind on house payments and you still want to keep the house and you're still in the house, you're not going to get out of those arrearages, but we can do a chapter 13 for you and pay back those arrearages over time. So those are the two scenarios when it comes to real estate. All right. One of the other more common uh, things that we include in a lot of cases are repossessed cars. Same scenario here. Bank repos the car and then they sell it at auction. They try to collect the difference from you. This one can be really crazy because they may sell that car for next to nothing and then they come after you for almost the full amount of the original loan. Well, if you don't file a bankruptcy, you end up paying for that car anyway. And the problem is at the end of those payments, you don't have a car to show for it. Well, filing a bankruptcy will take care of that as well. Now, if they've repossessed your car and you want to get it back, we can usually do that, but we'd need to do it through a Chapter 13, and you are on a very limited time basis to get that case filed. So if your car gets repossessed and you want that car back, you need to contact an attorney immediately. Well, those are some of the more common ones. There are some others out there uh, that, that pop up in cases every so often. Uh, that we can include and get rid of. We're talking about most personal loans from you know family members, friends, employers, department store credit cards, those types of things. We're going to include those as well. It could be debts associated with a personal injury case. Maybe you got into a car accident or something like that and you caused some damage to somebody else's car. We can usually include that in a bankruptcy if your insurance doesn't cover it and they're coming after you. We can include that. Also, debts that you were ordered to pay in your divorce. Now, this one's a little bit more tricky, and we're going to be talking more about this in a future uh, podcast where we talk a lot about how divorce and bankruptcy intersect with one another. But uh, I'll give you more information in, in just a few minutes on that, but we can include some of the debts that you were ordered to pay through a divorce too. So now we've got the most common debts that we include in a bankruptcy, Let's talk about some of those debts that you may not be able to get 
away from if you file a bankruptcy. These things are going to follow you and haunt you. And number one on that list is going to be tax debt. Now, there is a misconception out there that you can't ever get rid of any tax debt in a bankruptcy. And that is just not accurate. I have discharged a lot of tax debt in my 20 years of doing this. Now, that being said, the general rule in most situations is that you won't be able to discharge your taxes. And we're talking about um, income taxes for the most part. So if you have a tax debt, you want to discharge that in a bankruptcy, make sure you go meet with a competent bankruptcy attorney who understands how that works, who can look over your situation, and then they'll be able to let you know if your particular uh, tax debt qualifies. But you're going to want to start with this. I'm going to give you three bullet points to think about when you're thinking about getting rid of your tax debt. Number one, we're only talking about income tax that you haven't paid. We're not talking about uh, withholding taxes if you're an employer and you didn't turn those over. We're not talking about property taxes and those types of things. We're talking about income tax that you haven't paid. So start with that. Number two, those tax debts need to have come due at least three years prior to you filing the bankruptcy. So think about that. And then finally, you have to have filed those returns on time. If those three things aren't present in your situation, you may not be able to get out of that tax debt. So start there. All right, second to tax debt, uh, probably the most common one that we talk about are student loans. And it's basically the same story here. If somebody tells you that you will never be able to get rid of your student loans in a bankruptcy, they might be right, but they might also be wrong. The bankruptcy code doesn't say you can't ever discharge a student loan. What it says is that in order to discharge a student loan, you have to come into the bankruptcy court and show what's called an undue hardship. And in order to do that, you have to file what's called an adversary proceeding, which is a lawsuit inside of your bankruptcy. Now, if this is a government-backed student loan, you need to know this. The government is going to fight you tooth and nail on these actions. The government hates these actions, and they will have attorneys coming out of the woodwork to fight this if you do it. And it's an important note for you that you need to understand what an actual student loan is before you think you have to go in and, and go through this headache in the bankruptcy court, because it may not be what you're thinking. In order for it to actually be a student loan under the bankruptcy code, it has to qualify as a student loan under the definition that the IRS sets as a student loan. Now, most of the time, federally guaranteed student loans they are not going to be dischargeable unless you can meet that high standard under the undue hardship clause. If you can meet that standard, you may be able to get out of it. But there's other types of loans that are associated with education that you may think are student loans and they really are not. For example, let's say you just owe a particular school for tuition. Well, that's not a student loan and that can usually be discharged. So before you just give up on thinking you would never be able to discharge your student loan, make sure you contact a bankruptcy attorney that can look and determine whether that actually is a student loan and whether you may or may not be able to get out of it in a bankruptcy, okay? One of the problems in trying to 
discharge a student loan in a bankruptcy, and this is really probably the biggest problem, is that you need to hire an attorney to file that adversary proceeding. And the attorney isn't going to do it for free. So here you are filing for bankruptcy because you don't have the money that you need to survive. And now you have to pay an attorney more money to get rid of your student loans. So before you go into this bankruptcy thinking you're going to discharge your student loans, it's really important for you to kind of do a cost-benefit analysis. How much is it going to cost to get out of the student loan? And how much of a student loan am I getting out of? Is it really worth it? So you really need to think through that before you go to all the hassle of filing an adversary proceeding to get out of the student loan. All right, after student loans... And taxes, we go to what is called a DSO. This is another one of those special bankruptcy terms that you may become familiar with if you file a bankruptcy. A DSO is short for a domestic support obligation. So mostly what we're talking about here is child support, alimony, or other some kind of maintenance types of debts. Most of the time, you're not going to get out of those by filing a bankruptcy. Now, the code says that the divorce decree doesn't have to specify whether it's alimony or child support or maintenance. It might be something else that you're not thinking of as child support or alimony that can be considered a DSO. For example, let's say in your divorce decree, you're ordered to pay the orthodontist for the children or you're ordered to pay the dentist or other medical bills. Well, your former spouse may be able to come into the bankruptcy court and say, you know, this person doesn't get out of that debt because this is debt that's considered maintenance under our divorce decree. And if they're successful in making that argument, you're not getting out of that debt. What you usually can get out of when it comes to divorce is types of debt like credit cards um, or other past due medical bills, things like that. If you have a divorce decree that orders you to pay some of those, we may be able to get you out. So here, here's an example. The husband and wife are married, and in the course of that marriage, they incur a bunch of credit card debt. And when they get divorced, they agree that the husband will pay the visa, the wife will pay the MasterCard, and then they'll each go their happy way. Well, if one of those parties comes in and files a bankruptcy, they can usually include that debt in the bankruptcy, and there's nothing the divorce court can do about it. Now, we can spend a lot more time on this issue. There are some other finer nuances that we need to talk about. That's just a, a general rule. Those are the most common types of debts that you're not going to get out of uh, in filing a bankruptcy. And there's others out there. For example, uh, you go take out a loan and they ask you for pay stubs or bank statements or profit and loss statements from your business. You give them something that's false or fraudulent that's going to be considered false pretenses. You may not be able to get out of that debt. Also, you get a loan where you commit some kind of fraud or you're acting as a fiduciary for somebody else. You're holding money or you're in charge of somebody else's assets and you mess that up, you use the money, whatever. You may not be able to get out of that debt. If you commit some kind of willful and malicious act against some entity or the property of another entity, you may not be able to get out of that and then here's one of the, uh, the ones that comes up every so often in my practice. I've dealt with this. Uh, if you've had a DUI, or they may call it a DWI where you live, um, if you caused some kind of injury 
in the process of driving while under the influence, you probably are not going to get out of that debt. So if you're walking into an attorney's office thinking you're going to get out of this huge debt because you got a a DUI and in the course of that you damage somebody's property, you need to be aware you're probably not going to get out of that. Well, we are out of time in this episode. Hopefully you've learned a little bit more about the debt, what you get rid of, and what's going to stick around. If you have more questions about that, find an attorney in your area. If you're in the state of Utah, reach out to me. I am your host, bankruptcy attorney Roger Kraft, and this is Bankruptcy 101.